One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. Welcome to the Avid Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Hart, CEO and founder of Avid, unleashing your potential. Today on the show, I have Kim Whitler. She's assistant professor of marketing at the University of Virginia's Darden School of Business. She regularly writes for Forbes and CMO.com on all sorts of marketing leadership topics. And prior to her academic career, she was CMO at David's Bridal and Beezer Homes. Her research now focuses on understanding how board and C-level roles and characteristics impact the company's marketing performance. Well, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you sitting down and talking to me today. Why don't we just launch in? I'm curious, based on the current research you've been doing around marketing performance and understanding how boards and C-level roles, how their decisions impact the company's marketing performance. Let's, I guess, first get a definition of what marketing performance is. So it's funny because you would think that that would be a simple question. What is marketing performance? How do you measure it? But in reality, it's actually a very complex answer. So from an academic standpoint, there's all sorts of different ways in which we measure marketing outcomes. So we have financial and accounting metrics, such as profit or ROA or TSR. We have product market-related outcomes, such as innovation, so the number of patents a company might have, uh, market share or revenue. And then we have marketing asset-related outcomes such as brand equity, customer satisfaction. And these are only a few. If you pick up academic journals, you'll see that there are a lot of different dependent variables or outcomes, performance-related outcomes that we look at in terms of how marketing might impact the firm. 
Now, what's interesting is you would say, well, maybe that's just academics and marketers are clearer about how they measure marketing. But in reality, if you look at the Marketing Metrics book, which was written by Paul Ferris, uh, Neil Bendel, um, Dave Reebstein, there are, there are four authors, I believe. In that book, they did a survey of practitioners, and they asked them on the usefulness of different marketing metrics, marketing-related metrics. I think there are over 110 different metrics. And so the way in which you measure marketing will frankly be fairly dependent on the industry you work in and more specifically the company you work with, work in and how they actually measure marketing. Interesting. So it's a, it has to be tailored to your industry, and it's very complex. I mean, just the 110 measures that you talked about. I'm curious, if we take the organization and start at the board level, what have you learned about marketing experience on boards? How does that impact the company? One of the questions we sought to answer with our research is what is the unique contribution of marketers in the firm? So when you look at all of the different ways in which academics and marketers measure themselves, you know, for example, I was um, measured at one point, I was uh, an officer in a firm, C-level, and I was measured on ROIC, Return on Invested Capital. And at the point, I had no idea how our my department's unique contribution actually impacted ROIC, more so than other functions, and yet I was measured on it. I was also measured on EPS, as, were, as was everybody else on the top management team, and yet I could not actually explain to you how our unique contribution – by the way, neither could IT or finance. Nobody on the top management could team, team could basically give you an R-squared explanation on, on their function's unique contribution to EPS. But we were all held accountable for it because the CEO was held accountable for it. So part of our question was, if you look at boards, which today, post SOX, they've been disproportionately um, populated by finance, accounting, uh, legal-type folks, folks who are very focused inwardly on the firm, on the functioning of the firm, and frankly, more on monitoring roles, the question is, what could a marketer, if added to a board like that, contribute above and beyond all the other functions? Well, they all affect efficiency. They all affect profitability. But the unique contribution, we argue, of these 110 different metrics that are in the Marketing Metrics book, the unique contribution that marketers, we believe, will contribute at the board level is an understanding of how to generate demand given external conditions, internal competencies, uh, the consumer, et cetera. That is their unique contribution. They do a better job of being outwardly focused, externally focused, market-oriented, and bringing insight about the consumer, the competition, and the market into the firm in a way to help shift strategy and resources to impact revenue growth. And, in fact, that's what we show. So there's a paper that's been published in MSI where we demonstrate that marketers on the board help increase uh, firm performance, specifically revenue growth. Historically, marketers underrepresented on boards. Do you see that changing? I, you know, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of great historical data. I don't have data year by year. There are some reports that I've been able to pull up, and although they don't measure things the same way, Year after year, we get some anecdotal evidence that, in fact, marketers have been declining as a percentage of the board. And there's a couple of factors that have affected this. If you go back to the 90s, 
not every board had a finance, a CFO on it, right? Somebody who had significant financial experience on the board. However, post-SOCs, every board must now have it because of regulation. And so you went from not ha not every board having a finance director and the average board size being around 13 back in the 80s and early 90s, and now the average board size is somewhere between 9 and 10. So at the same time that you've added accounting and finance folks, you've also reduced the size of the board. And so what we believe is happening is that some of the ancillary roles that were filled by people like a CHRO or a CMO or a professor so, or somebody from the government, so there are representatives who sit on boards, some of these kind of more nominally represented experiences have been the first, we believe, to go by the wayside as you bring on more and more and more finance, accounting, uh, expertise onto the boards to be able to deal with all of the regulation. And so our argument, if you think about it, imagine if we took the top management team and we said no longer is every function going to be represented, we're going to skew the representation to finance and accounting and legal. How would that affect the management of the firm? And so we actually believe, and we're not saying that you know marketing is more important than finance. In fact, we actually believe that they're nice. It's kind of a nice teeter-totter, a nice counterbalance. But we think when you have a disproportionate number, a lot of finance and accounting-minded individuals, what you're lacking is that external knowledge, the the consumer orientation, the market orientation the insight about how to generate demand in a very competitive marketplace, that experience is missing from the board. And we believe those firms that are smart and tend to have a marketer on them, we can actually demonstrate, you look at um, post the financial collapse, those boards that had a marketer on them significantly outperformed their peers that did not. In terms of growth, let me be clear, in terms of growth, right. can be a competitive advantage. You know, a lot of times, a lot of the, re the academic research on boards focuses on should the CEO and chair be the same person, you know, uh, dual position, or should they be separate? How many independent board members should you have, et cetera, et cetera. Very little looks at how functional experience can impact the strategic direction, resource allocation of the firm. And so that's that's really what our resource our research has been looking at, and we do find strong evidence. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Compelling evidence that, in fact, marketers on the board 
um, can have uh, a positive impact on firm growth. I hope more companies adopt that just based on your research alone. What do you think CMOs need to be thinking about either in regards to their role or the organizations that they lead today based on the research you've been doing? So some of the other, you know, having been a CMO and and now having uh, talked to over 300 individuals, CMOs, CEOs, et cetera, interviewed them, there's so much I wish I'd known uh, back when I was a CMO, in particular about how to find the right role for my competency. In, in fact, some of the ahas that I've learned through my research, first, CEOs are not experts at interviewing, hiring, designing roles for marketers. They don't do it very often, and they frankly don't have a great acumen on it. And that's exacerbated by the fact that according to the executive recruiters I've talked to, they believe that the CMO role is the most varied, the most diverse across all C-level roles. So if you go from industry to industry, company to company, as a CFO or a CIO, while it can vary, the amount of variance is less than what happens for marketers. So I've interviewed marketers, for example, one marketer who reported to a CIO. She was a CMO. She reported to the CIO, and all she did was help support IT. On the other end of the spectrum, I've interviewed CMOs who drive corporate strategy, who do a lot more than than marketing communications, who've been in charge in leading product development, who are very involved in distribution, and who are the right-hand successor to the CEO. You know, in no other function do you have such a diverse range of roles, and, and by the way, also experience. So unlike finance people who typically have a finance degree or accounting folks who, have, who pass their CPA exam, many marketers, we have marketers who are engineers and marketers who are journalists. I mean, you, you could have any background. You could actually be a marketer and never have taken a course in marketing. And so you have unbelievable variance in the training and the skill and the competency of people in marketing and unbelievable variance in the types of positions. And when you interact those two, it makes a very difficult job for a CEO to find the right person for the job that he or she wants to create in their firm. Then you add on top of that executive recruiters who frankly are not incented to find individuals who will last for five or ten years. You know, the way that their compensation structure it works, as long as the individual lasts one year, then they get their compensation. So all they need is for somebody to make it a year, and, and most companies will give you a year uh, at the C, at the C level. And so they're not necessarily incented, per se, to find individuals who are going to succeed the CEO, et cetera. And, so, and then you look at the CMOs, and I can speak from experience. We're not experts at interviewing for positions, right? By the time I finished my career, I had finally kind of figured it out. But in the first few p positions at the C level, I wasn't asking the right questions. So what does all of this mean? What is it that CMOs need to do? They need to be much more adept at finding the right roles, the right company culture, the right environment, the, the right design so that they can succeed. And they need to be honest with themselves. So on the spectrum, and I'm going to go from staff to P&L management, on that kind of linear spectrum from 
deep marketing expertise, probably good at social media, digital, you know, marketing communications, to the other end of the spectrum where they're good at pricing, good at distribution, uh, good at P&L management. Um, you need to understand where you are and be honest with yourself about that. And then you need to find the roles that are looking for that. So without naming names, I, I um, interviewed an individual who has CPG training, who worked at a very large, uh, I'll just say retail-like company, uh, one of the top three in his industry. Um, and he went from a P&L role to a CMO role, and I knew when I interviewed him he wouldn't make it a year. And the reason is is because he, had ex- he was used to having leadership over all of the different levers that drive the business, and he had moved into a role where he didn't have that. And he thought that he would be the heir apparent to the CEO. Well, the problem is he had to succeed in the role that he was given. And so this is a case where it was a misfit. His experience base was not what the company, they thought that's what they wanted, but that's really not what they wanted. And so this is part of the challenge that CMOs have is ferreting out what the CEO really wants. And I have a couple of suggestions. One, ask for the org chart. All right, so I actually took a job at one point where I assumed that research managed or reported up to me. It would, I would, you would expect that the research group would report up to the, the CMO, and once I landed on the job, in fact, it didn't. So ask for the physical org chart. Don't take somebody's word on it. Ask to actually look at the org chart. Ask to look at the budget. Try to understand what the different buckets of money are. So, for example, if you don't have digital in your in your budget, that can then be a question that you ask the CEO, help me understand who's managing digital. Oh, IT's managing digital, or you have some other function managing digital. Well, you expect X from me. You expect me to drive consumer satisfaction, growth. How can I do that if I don't manage digital? Right, so so part of the responsibility and onus for CMOs today is to really get in and make sure that they they don't just listen to the CEO because the CEO more often than not and the job spec more often than not will tell you what you want to hear. What you really want to do is get into the specifics of the job, look at what your responsibility is, what your org chart looks like, who reports up to you and who doesn't, what's in your budget and what's not. Now, that at least gives you the basis to fully understand the job before you take it and to either negotiate a better role, to reject the role, or to accept it. But I I think given that CEOs aren't expert at this, executive recruiters are not necessarily fully incented to care whether or not you stay four or five years or succeed, um, it's the onus is on CMOs to figure this out. And I know that that was kind of a long-winded explanation, but this is a complicated um, the question is a complicated question, and I actually think it's one of the most important areas where CMOs can improve in order to do a better job, to have a better chance of success in the jobs that they take. Well, I, I think your suggestions are, are are great. And to be honest, it's one of those things, you know, taking the bull by the horns, we hear that phrase a lot. But here it sounds like CMOs in general, because of the complexity of the role and the organization, um, they've really got to own the matchmaking for themselves.
this was part one with Kim Whitler. Come back in a couple of weeks after Thanksgiving break for part two, talking about marketing talent, the future of marketing, and wonderful case studies from Cadillac to Alan Edmonds. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market